0: Hello and welcome to Aonafai Araki, a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Close Analysis Podcast. I'm Thomas.
1: And I'm totally your dad. Don't question it. I'm not an imposter. Nothing suspicious over here.
0: Hayato. Hayato. (laughs) And today uh, we are covering Diamond is Unbreakable episodes 33, 34, 35, and 36. Um... Shit's getting spicy. <laughs> this, is, this is the pen ultimate Diamond is Unbreakable discussion. Um, so with all that said, uh, brace yourselves for this one, because this is where the stands are getting really complicated. Thomas is going to try and explain it, but might might be fail. I don't know. I believe uh, in you. But let's just let's just jump into the summary. Episode 33 begins with Josuke examining a piece of paper created by Taranosuke, but when he turns it over, a gun appears from the paper and shoots Josuke in the face. Meanwhile, Rohan finally witnesses the back of his renovator, Kinoto. When Rohan does so, Kinoto's back explodes in a geyser of blood, killing the renovator. Rohan quickly deduces that it was the result of a stand attack and begins hearing whispers from the stand, asking Rohan to carry him on his back. Rohan attempts to run from the stand, but it continues to appear on his back. When Rohan tries to use Heaven's Door on it, he turns himself into a book. The stand, Cheap Trick, explains that despite being born of Kinoto, it is independent and now bonded to Rohan. Cheap Trick explains that its only real ability is to whisper to its user, and it begins asking Rohan to burn his pictures as they hold the identity of Kira. Rohan runs outside, but is reminded that if he shows his back to anyone, Cheap Trick will transfer to that person killing Rohan. I lost my place. Okay, there we go. While Chotaro and Joseph begin to investigate missing persons incidents in the Morio Grand Hotel, it is revealed that Josuke survived being shot by having Crazy Diamond catch the bullet. Taranosuke then introduces himself and explains his ability. Though while his stand Enigma can't kill anyone, he can turn them into a piece of paper. Teranosuke then flings a piece of paper labeled Koichi Hirose into the wheels of a moving car, and while Yuya thinks it's a trap, Josuke attempts to save it, triggering a fear response that turns him into a piece of paper. Just before Josuke is sucked into the paper, Crazy Diamond grabs a metal rod and the two fall into the paper. Yuya thinks to himself how happy he is that he didn't actually fight, but Josuke miraculously appears out of the paper by healing the metal rod. Josuke admits that he knew the Koichi paper was probably fake, but that if there was even a 1% chance it was Koichi, he would have tried to save it. Before being sucked back in, Josuke promises to kill Taranosuke if he ever sees him again. A briefly scared Taranosuke begins to gloat and compliments Yuya on his cowardice before unfolding a paper that held a taxi, one that will take him to Jotaro in the hotel. As Taranosuke drives away, Yuya thinks about Josuke's words and how Yuya would feel the same way if any of his fangirls were ever kidnapped, resolving to fight Taranosuke. Yuya pursues the taxi with Highway Star, but eventually senses the car stops that the car stops when Yuya arrives he's able to smell Josuke and Koichi from the sole piece of paper folded in the taxi after disabling a fire trap from a piece of paper in the door Yuya holds up the paper only for scorpions and a bottle of acid to come out Yuya nearly triggers his nervous tick but remains strong but eventually unfolds a paper shredder that sucks in the Josuke and Koichi papers Yuya attempts to destroy it with Highway Star, but it isn't powerful enough, and Yuya triggers his nervous tick. Enigma promptly turns Yuya into a piece of paper. Taranosuke gloats, but Yuya reveals that things have gone exactly to his plan, as turning Yuya into a piece of paper allowed him to shrink inside the shredder, and with Highway Star's ability to segment itself, it is able to destroy the shredder from the inside and free Josuke and Koichi. Teranosuke, terrified, attempts to hold Yuya hostage, but Yuya is saved by echoes, and Josuke threatens Teranosuke. Teranosuke triggers his own fear response, closing his eyes, and begins to turn into paper himself, but as he does so, Josuke uses Crazy Diamond to reconstitute Teranosuke's paper form into a book, which is later checked into the Morio library. Back with Rohan, he decides to call for help, and he calls the only man he trusts, as Koichi's phone begins to ring as he returns home. Koichi comes over to Rohan's house to help him, but when Rohan refuses to show Koichi his back, Koichi assumes it's a practical joke and leaves. Elsewhere, Kira's urge to kill grows stronger and he is harassed by a couple on a train. Back with Rohan, the manga artist is left with very little options and so decides to leave his home. Rohan is able to conceal his back using Heaven's Door, but when he finds himself in an alleyway filled with animals, things seem dire until Koichi steps in, revealing that he wanted to see if Rohan was actually lying or not before. Koichi ends up damaging Rohan. When he tries to remove Cheap Trick and seemingly out of desperation, Rohan choses back to Koichi, but Koichi realizes that the group has found themselves in Raimi's alleyway. As a result, when Cheap Trick turns around to possess Koichi, it is instead grabbed by the demon arms, Rohan assuring Cheap Trick goes to hell by writing it so using Heaven's Door. As Rohan and Koichi take a breather outside the alley, Raimi appears to them, and after observing Rohan's photos, makes the observation that Hayato Kawajiri was discreetly observing his father, making Rohan suspicious. Back with Kira, it is revealed that he discreet—it It is revealed that he stalked the couple from the train home from the train home, killing both. However, Hayato was also following Kira, and with video evidence of Kira using Killer Queen to dispose of the bodies, he runs home. Terrified, Hayato considers his options in the bath while hiding the videotape. However, Kira enters the bath and attacks Hayato, planting a bomb on his hair. However, before Killer Queen can detonate it, Hayato reveals that Not only has he been recording the bath, but every room in the house with multiple compromising photos of Kira pretending to be Kosaku Kawajiri. Hayato attempts to flee, but Kira kills him and hides him in a closet. Yoshihiro flies in through the window and explains that the Jobros are very close to discovering Kira's identity. Just when Kira feels back into the corner, Yoshihiro's stand arrow finds its way inside of Kira and enhances his powers. The next morning, Hayato wakes up, believing the events of the previous night to be a bad dream. Kira walks down the stairs, now completely confident and his hair now white. The phone begins to ring, and Shinobu orders Hayato to get it before tripping and breaking her tea set, blaming Hayato. Hayato and Kira leave the house together, and Kira admits his true identity, but also says that it doesn't matter if he tells him because he is invincible. As Hayato walks down the street, Rohan attempts to ask him some questions, but when Hayato flees, Rohan uses Heaven's door. When he opens Hayato's face and discovers a warning, and discovers a warning. Flipping past the warning, Hayato seemingly has knowledge of future events. What's more, Rohan eventually learns that Kosaka Kawajiri is Kira, but when he does so, a miniature killer queen appears and blows up Rohan, explaining that it is Bites the Dust, a bomb that will kill anyone who learns Kira's identity from Hayato. Rohan's body is blown to smithereens, and Hayato wakes up in bed again. He quickly realizes that he's in a time loop, and Kira tells him as much, that Hayato has been turned into the detonator for Bites the Dust, and that if anyone learns of Kira's identity, they will be killed and time reset to the morning. Hayato, now with the knowledge of the time loop, deliberately avoids contact with Rohan, but Kira sneaks up behind Hayato and explains that anything that happens in the time loop will happen again, and at 8.30, Rohan promptly explodes. As Hayato walks past Rohan's car, he bumps into the other Jogros who interrogate Hayato about Kira. Hayato attempts to kill himself to prevent the group learning Kira's identity, but Bites the Dust stops the exacto knife Hayato was going to use. The group recognizes the stand and tries to attack but they are all caught in Bites the Dust's bomb and time is reset. Hayato realizes that in order to stop Bites the Dust, he needs to kill Kira and hatches a plan to use the cat plant from earlier to perform a sneak attack on Kira before Rohan is killed. Hayato gets into position but begins to panic as Kira fails to show up, hiding behind a tree. Eventually, Kira steps out and is shot by the cat plant's air bubbles, but miraculously survives as he has placed a watch in his breast pocket after sustaining a burn that morning. The watch absorbs the air bullet as Hayato begins to plant panic and the clock continues to tick forward. End of episodes.
1: Goddamn. The shit that wild.
0: A, that was a fucking chunky summary. Goddamn.
1: Very, <laughs> very chunky indeed. Very, very wacky shit. Goddamn. I forgot how good the Bites the Dust fight is. It's probably one of my favorite fights in like the whole series. It's definitely honestly, up there.
0: Honestly, I think um, these whole things have a lot of really good fights like part four in general has a high quality of fights um i i forgot how much i enjoyed the enigma fight as well um i think that's a really creative fight and i think i think it has some some good character bits uh in that episode
1: there's definitely a couple of um scattered character bits would you like to talk about them perhaps
0: yes i would like to talk about them Um, yeah, so I guess, where to begin? Well, I guess we can just start with the smaller things in uh, the first episode we're covering for today, uh, which is that, um, uh, I thought it was really interesting, like, what they did with, um, Yuya, you know, we sort of have this, uh, this grand declaration by Josuke that, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna fuck up. Teranosuke, Um, but, and what I think is really interesting is that, you know, a lot of people have talked about, and I think maybe we've even talked about it once or twice, that, like, Josuke isn't really the quote-unquote main character of of part four, but what he does is, like, he inspires the other characters, you know, and um, just seeing it with a one-off character, or previously one-off character like Yuya um, was uh, really interesting. And I think it shows like just how charismatic like Josuke's um, like kindness and like respect for other people is and like how that inspires other, other characters to like, you know, do things. Because, you know, if you think about it, if you watch or read part four, you would probably just assume that like, oh, like Yu-Yi is just like the monster of the week. Like, we're not going to see him again. And then he has like this very, you know, I don't know if I would necessarily call it powerful, but this this impactful arc uh, in in this episode that I just thought was uh, interesting, like how such a small character gets such a, a big moment.
1: You pretty much said it all right there. I mean, Josuke has a tendency to do things like that. You could even go as far back as Okuyasu, like... He was also the one that partially inspired Okiyasu to do like do better because like sometimes I forget that my boy Okiyasu like used to be like a villain a bit. He was kind of an asshole mm-hmm. for like two seconds, and then Josuke was like, "Bro," and Okiyasu was like, "Wait, bro."
0: <laughs> and thus, a beautiful friendship was formed. <laughs> Indeed. Um,
1: Josuke yeah. has a tendency to inspire people. He's a cool dude who does cool things. Everyone's like, "Damn, I want to be as good as a friend as Jevsky."
0: even someone like i mean it's interesting as well cuz he even like does that with uh like the previous protagonists you know i think um like joseph and like jotaro like we we kind of think of them as like i mean more so jotaro than joseph but we kind of think of them as like you know from their respective seasons as like these kind of badasses like stalwart badasses but like even they are like, you know, Josuke does have a a profound effect on them uh, when they finally meet, which it's like, it's like he, Joe Josuke's like ability to inspire people like transcends main character status. Um, I guess that ties in with his healing abilities, right? Like he's more of a, he's a very supportive person and like, that's kind of what like healing is. It's like a support ability. Uh, Even though he does find ways to use it in direct combat.
1: Um, Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, as, like, we've sort of talked about before, um, Koichi sort of being the protagonist in many instances, you know, Mm -hmm. Josuke often takes on the supporting role. And even in this, like, even in the Bites the Dust episodes, too, I have a couple more things I want to say about the other, like, very minor things I want to say about the other episodes. But Josuke very much, like, does this with Hayato like Hayato is the main character of these episodes, and that's, that's yeah. one cool thing about part four is that like the protagonist like switches. Like Jotaro is always the protagonist of all the episodes, like the main guy in like part three for the most part. Sometimes the other characters have their little side things, but like I think Josuke, out of all the protagonists, is the protagonist the least amount of times, yeah. Like it's it's very often well when like, like Koichi is very often the protagonist and Hayato is just like gets the entire spotlight for the Bites the Dust episodes and even in the um even in a Josuke fight Yuya really felt like the protagonist because we were like hearing more of what he was thinking than what Josuke mm-hmm. was thinking.
0: It's it's one of my favorite little moments of animation is um, they have this like very consistent. Uh, visual motif of Kira putting the um, I guess you would call it like a sun hat or whatever on Hayato's head and that's kind of like a symbol for like how he uh, controls Hayato by with Bites the Dust Um, but in the scene where and we're jumping ahead here but in the scene where uh, the Jobros all meet with Hayato um, Josuke hands him the hat instead of putting it on his head
1: which oh is damn i didn't of, even notice that I love yeah that.
0: um these episodes have a lot of very tiny details that i absolutely love um
1: these episodes absolutely fuck
0: <laughs> but yeah that's uh that's like a small mo and you know that goes back to what we were talking about i think last time where like a- as we have been talking about actually throughout this whole thing um that like josuke and kira are essentially like two sides of the same coin you know they're opposites so like you know josuke actually hands in the hat like kira places it on him that was that didn't need to be that involved but anyway
1: (laughs) and josuke just heals his nose he breaks his own nose and like josuke's like see it's fine there's nothing wrong yeah like just the way that he like talks to this like literal child he's like see there's nothing wrong it's all fine like this man love him what a king
0: yeah it uh, I love him as well <laughs> my boy
1: he's delightful um, um oh I have one time I have oh, actually wait a minute can, can Emily rant about perhaps the um actually wait one more thing about K. and then I'll talk about the art style again um <laughs> Josuke finally does the good old lip bite, the Lin Manuel Miranda lip bite. TM. <laughs> Remember that? That's a dead meme, but it it was it was alive a couple of months ago, as like his sign of fear that Enigma needed to like put him in the paper. And the like the first time he shows this sign of fear, like there was many times where they teased that he would do it, but the first time he does it is when he thinks that Koichi is in danger. Mm-hmm. Just another little detail. He loves his boy, Koichi. Don't we all? A reliable guy.
0: And, I mean, he even, like, says... Uh, l- like, what strikes me about that scene is, like, he's like, yeah, it probably was fake. Like, I knew that. But just the idea of, um, you know, one of his friends being, you know, in danger, like, that's what scares him. Like, not, not the bullet, not the, you know like a violent murderer with water powers uh it's it's that one of his friends is in danger and like that is like his his truest fear basically
1: oh yeah now it's time for the um emily talking about the art style power minute
0: yes as i have had
1: one just about every episode enigma looks really freaking cool when it activates mm-hmm. jesus christ it makes everything look like See, I tried to find out the name of this artist, but I could not find out. There's a specific artist that like, in my elementary school, we used to have his like paintings hanging up all over the walls in the art room. And I can't, for the life of me, I can't remember the guy's name, but he drew these like incredibly trippy looking things where one object would sort of fade into another object. And that's like, I don't know, the Enigma style when when it activates looks like just like one of the pieces he would make as well as like another piece that I particularly remember was a, it was kind of like inception, draw where he drew, he did a pencil drawing of a piece of paper and two hands were coming out of the piece of paper and drawing each other. And I, once again, for the life of me, can't remember who it was. It might not have even been the same person, but it's just like, that's exactly what the Enigma fight style looked like. And I was like, dang, that's, that's like that do be it though. <laughs>
0: I uh, I, I just looked it up, and um, at least the JoJo Wiki tells me that uh, the pattern designs are inspired by M.C. Escher.
1: Yeah, M.C. Um, Escher. Well, no, I was oh, I thought it was someone else. The um, other thing that I was thinking about the paper hands thing with the whole paper thing. I don't yeah, know I yeah. who that was.
0: No, I mean it. It, it is very like visually striking. Um,
1: so freaking cool.
0: Yeah, it, it's. Especially, I—I I mean, we might have briefly talked about it last time, but in the scene, um, like uh, during when, like, uh, he's in like Tomiko's house and like she's running, and it like it turns into the, the M.C. Escher thing. Um, that that looks that scene looks really cool as well.
1: All right, I have another small thing about rohan that will yeah segue into a somewhat larger thing about rohan in the next episode so rohan literally calls koichi he's like he really like dead says you really are my best friend and i'm like all mm-hmm. right <laughs> rohan is actually like getting some development in these episodes in like the weirdest way because obviously koichi's like oh you're just pulling you're just pulling some shit aren't you not actually in danger he's like no bro i'm serious mm-hmm. So he's like actually growing out of his asshole tendencies and you know trying to help people out and like actually calling Koichi his best friend and then the very next episode like you know he pretty much he pretty much dies he literally gets blown up not permanently but he literally explodes because of Kira and it's just like but but somehow it's so tragic and I think that's yeah. because like for like the first time he's doing something solely for someone else's sake and not his own he could just like not be helping them out and he'd be alive but no like the first the last thing he does before he literally explodes is try to get koichi's attention to try to tell him about this and that's just like wow homie like went through this development and now he's dying not really he's not gonna die but like he you know for for purposes of right now he's dead and, like, seeing Raimi's reaction to it makes it, like, so much worse. Because, like, when he's, like, literally doing his good old dying exploding thing above Raimi's alley, like, he looks, like, in so much pain. Yeah. And just, like, so upset. And Raimi's like, oh, no, not you. Because, like, you know, she was the kid. I mean, yeah. He, he was she, the yeah, kid. He was, yeah, he was the kid who was saved by her when <laughs> When they were kids and he was being babysat. So like it's just like, goddamn, ouch, that kind of hurt a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I was just gonna touch on is um just I don't know. I mean it's something about like Rohan is it's hard to necessarily put into words, but I feel like we do see a kinder side of Rohan in these episodes.
1: Oh yeah, he's changing, he likes Koichi, they're friends.
0: Yeah. Koichi you're probably my best friend is like and what kills me about that is like the face as well is like it's just so it's like you can just see the words like soft boy like over it which is pretty much the opposite of Rohan the other 99% of the time he's on screen Um, like
1: he's an asshole but he's capable of being friends with people sometimes he just hates most people
0: and what I think is interesting about the whole like the first time Rohan dies is like because if you think about it, if if Koichi had heard, like, Rohan, like, if he had learned from Rohan that Kawajiri was Kira, like, that would have been it. Like, Bites to the Dusk, you know, would not have triggered in that moment. And they would probably, like, beat the shit out of Kira. <laughs> um, it's so and, tragic. I love it. Yeah, it's great. But in the same way, it's like... I mean, we we can sort of maybe this is a point to uh, to talk about the slightly altered uh, opening for these episodes. Um, Wait, how
1: is it slightly altered? I was like in a rush, so I didn't actually watch a lot of the. the oh, this Netflix. is where we get the time warp. Oh, it the, is. Goddamn it! In the intro it. is where the. I'm gonna watch it again.
0: Yeah. Um, so this is this, this is my favorite. Like opening change in all of JoJo is uh, this one where basically, you know, we we have covered great days, um, but the opening plays in reverse and it makes sense both ways and it's so cool. Um, And so, um, but what I like about it, and this ties into our creator conversation that we've been having about, like the themes of like good triumphing over evil is uh, there's a great, my favorite bit is like, okay. So the whole like reverse intro is basically like bad stuff happening to the characters Um, that, um, you know, like they, they are shown like fading into darkness, like uh, Rohan, you see Rohan's house is, uh, is the door is constantly closing just like referencing all the times he dies in the time loop, um, like things like that, like just bad stuff. Um, but then it ends with because um, the the intro opens with Kira about to detonate a bomb, and you see like the backs of all the main characters. But in the reverse, they turn around because like they've they've caught Kira, and I just like lo- I just love the idea that like kira like being thinking he's invincible and like staying like sedentary and stuff like that is like ultimately what seals his fate and the fact that none of the main characters like die like i mean we're kind of we're kind of spoiling a little bit uh but like just like you know none of the joe bros die like this is the only season where that happens that's this
1: one. Everybody lives. Everyone lives. <laughs> I'm so pissed off that I forgot that these were the funny, the fun opening episodes. God damn it. Yeah. Enraging.
0: <laughs>
1: but speaking of fate, if you're done talking about the opening. Yeah. Kira, it talks a lot about fate in the bites the dust episodes. <laughs> mm-hmm. A lot. Homie literally thought that fate had saved him and saying it witnessed his pain and like, took pity on him and gave him the new ability, which sort of shows his lack of understanding for how fate works in the JoJo world. And, you know, as well as showing his own like insane egotism, because he thinks that he's like the center of it. He thinks he's going to be singled out. And it also sort of shows, like in, in a w- weird way, that it doesn't seem to, you know, he doesn't believe that what he's doing is wrong. Cause he, you know, he was like, oh, I was in pain and the world saved me by doing this. And it's like, gosh, that's like, that just implies other more fun things about his character that like, I don't know. I never quite like knew for sure, but this is like sort of the, like what, what sealed the deal on. He, he completely does not think that what he's doing is wrong because he thinks he's above it all. And it's just like, damn.
0: I mean, it, what, what's interesting is like it's paradoxical in a way where it's like he thinks that like it, in a possibly literal way he's like the center of the universe but bites the dust thing is that it keeps him anonymous. Um, so it's like it, it's like this simultaneous thing of like wanting to hide who he is but he also like one he it's he wants people to like i don't know if like be afraid necessarily but like he he wants people to be on like a lower plane than he is like a lower lower step on the hierarchy if you will he pretty um, much
1: wants to be and believes himself a god like exactly you know he, he's completely above them like He's still, you know, better than them, but he just doesn't function on the same plane of existence as they do. So they don't like notice him. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it's a weird thing to think about, but it's cool.
0: Yeah. And um, uh, t- all right. So speaking of this again, um, just one little detail I wanted to point out is, um, so in the scene when they're in the bath as well, you can see it for like a fraction of a second, but there's like an overhead shot of uh, Kira, like looking at Hayato and his shadow is, it looks like killer queen. Um, Like it's got, you can see like the cat ears, um, which is pretty damn cool. And I think it shows like, I mean, we've kind of talked about how like stands are like, you know, um they're like representations of a person's soul and personality and things like that um but like this is like no other stand like quite embodies its user as killer queen does kira
1: my favorite thing in the world is that killer queen is like kind of looks literally looks like a cat but like the way it's like framed in the anime is just like so freaking scary
0: I know. Like,
1: they make this shit look terrifying. Like, it literally, as we've said, looks like a leather gay at a pride parade who also is just a cat person also, <laughs> literally wearing, like, the kink gear. And it also just is <laughs> but it's like, also it's it, so freaking scary it's, looking. It's a pink
0: cat. It's literally Princess Carolyn from BoJack Horseman. <laughs> but it fucking is
1: terrifying. <laughs> Gosh. Um, all right.
0: But, uh, yeah. Um, all right, so you have a big thing about Shinobu. I have a small thing about Shinobu.
1: I actually don't have a lot of things about Shinobu this episode. Most oh, okay. of my stuff is about Kira, but we can talk about Shinobu if you want. Well,
0: right? it it it's in tandem, so it makes sense. Um, so one thing I was kind of thinking about on this rewatch is and, I mean, you know, we can't prove what I'm about to say, but I just think It's interesting to think about, um, which is like, you know, as you said earlier, these episodes is like basically Hayato is the main character. Um, But we have, flashing back to the cat plant episodes, that was kind of like Kira as the main character episode. Um, And in that episode, we have this scene where he like, it seems like he does legitimately care for um, Shinobu. And in these episodes, what we see is like Kira is like, you know, he's got bites of the dust, he's got the white hair. Um, and he actually asks Shinobu for a, a kiss this time. Scent
1: is key, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Even the goddamn hey, serial killer understands he may, that
0: he may kill people and decat and you know, de limb women of their hands, but. He, he asks for a kiss.
1: See, um, this is going back again to we, uh, we as, a, as a society having very low standards for men. <laughs> Even the goddamn serial killer asks his fake wife for consent to give her a smooch.
0: <laughs> but, but so, <laughs> um, yeah, so we see him kiss Shinobu in these episodes, like want to actively kiss Shinobu. And, you know, because we see it from Hayato's perspective, it, they kind of frame it as like like a fuck you almost from Kira to Hayato. Um, I'm gonna fuck
1: your mom. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> um, Both figuratively and literally.
0: But it makes me, you know, I, I sort of think about this, in, like, obviously, like, this is the most like deranged we've ever seen Kira be in these episodes. Um, But at the same time, like, is, is there a part of him who has like, like bites the dust is a, is effectively a time loop. It keeps him anonymous. Like this is his life now. And like he, and he seemingly has complete control over it. And one of the things that he like actively chooses is to like, you know, have a level of intimacy with Shinobu, um, which I, I, I think is interesting to consider.
1: It's very interesting to consider, especially in regards to Hayato as well, because there's several times where he tries to play off this life as completely normal. Like the way he talks to Hayato is like, just shut up and we're going to like, we're going to get along. Just don't, like, tell anybody about this kind of a thing. And then yeah. he's like, now make sure you do well at school, so hey, Dad's study. off to work. I'm going to kiss my wife. Like, he's totally, like, ready to live his life in this way as long as he can do his things on the side. And he just sort of, like, wants Hayato to comply with it. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't even really want to kill Hayato. He's like, if you just, like, comply to me, everything will go just fine for you. And it's just, like, it's it's kind of interesting to think about because is he just happy that he can do like his weird shit on the side or is he like also gonna actively try to enjoy his like other life as well yeah and that's a question that doesn't really get answered
0: <laughs> don't get an answer to that but it's interesting to think about <laughs> it's interesting
1: to think about but based on the cat plan episode it, it might be it might be true There is evidence to suggest both things.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Another
1: interesting thing about the kiss is we have in these episodes, the universe sort of reset, not the universe, but the time that wait till part six for that. Um, (laughs) But the time the time shenanigans happen three times. The first time um, Homie kisses Shinobu, right? And she's like, oh my God. And um, the second time Hayato interrupts that happening and that doesn't happen at all because Shinobu gets angry at the teapot breaking and cleans it up and Kira just leaves. And the third time, Hayato literally, like, one, prevents him from kissing his mom and two, goes up and kisses his mom and then goes to school. He was like, I love you, mom, kiss his mom, and then goes yeah. to school. I'm like, damn, that was like, that was a little progression right there.
0: Yeah, the queen, I mean, Hayato. I think, because, like, every time we've seen Hayato previously, he's always kind of been, like, the cold and calculating kind of, you know, savant-type character. Um, But, um, you know, him being the main character for these episodes, it kind of shows, like, some more insight into him. And that he, like, basically all he wants to do is, like, make sure his mom is safe. And it's like, you know, obviously Kosaka Kawajiri was like not a great husband, but she was at least like safe with him. Um, whereas like Kira, it's like, you know, he I mean, he just he's he's unpredictable. Like, we don't know what the fuck could happen. Um, and I, I, you know. This is one thing that part four is great at is just giving depth to characters who at first seem very, um, you know, one note uh, or like uh, not, not quite that deep
1: as we know Hayato was a goddamn weird child who filmed his parents in their bedroom yeah (laughs) and now suddenly he's like I'm I love my mom so much and I'm gonna kill this serial killer and even like at one point he threatens to kill himself and like actively tries to do that just so that his mom is safe and so that they can take down Kira like he's mm-hmm. like I'm the bomb so I should die I'm the reason that all this bad stuff is happening if I die then both my mom will be safe and these other people who I do not know can take down this evil dude so he never has to do anything like evil again so it's like damn Hayato really do be like kind kind of a cool kid <laughs> you know a little weird I, but at least, at least he loves his mom I think I think I got
0: a theory brewing well, I don't know. We kind of touched on this earlier, but. Um, do tell, do tell. If you think about it, I mean, maybe with the exception of Koichi, because we don't really see his dad, but um, all of the main Joe Bros have like some sort of parental issues, you know? Like, Josuke's got the thing with Joseph. Okuyasu his dad essentially made a deal with the devil and is now a snot monster. Uh yeah. Uh Jotaro is like I mean his dad is just never around basically. Um and um Rohan I guess I mean we don't know anything about Rohan's parents but the fact that like someone who was a a parental figure to him in a sense being Raimi like the fact that she was killed is like they all have these like issues with their parents and then we have Kira who like is trying to fulfill a parental role in a way and you know we, we did talk about earlier how Yoshi, like one of the differences is like Yoshihiro is like this coddling you know like always like basically subservient person to his child which I mean I think a lot of parents have and is 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 natural to a certain extent but it's also like like privilege in a certain way where it's like we have all like all our protagonists are people who have who have had like struggles with like normal parentage like their whole lives and like Akira is like a parental figure now and I just I I think that's interesting I don't I don't know that I have like a full statement that I'm prepared to to throw out into the universe but I just think it's interesting
1: just keep thinking about it I guess we got Mm -hmm. another episode to talk about it we do (laughs) all right I think it's time to time time to fully dive into the bastard man himself because i have a couple of points um first of all dub kira jesus christ i've already talked (laughs) about dub kira and dub hayato like it's really good too because i literally so i watched like one of the big Kira episodes in the sub by accident and then i was like oh shit i wanted to watch the dub of that so i watched the whole thing in the dub again so i was able to compare both like the line delivery and like the way that each version w- was written. And honestly, not only was like Kira's line delivery really good, but like the like the way they wrote his lines was also like, honestly, I kind of liked it better in the weirdest way. Um, it like conveyed the same like message, but just in, in ways that just made a bit more sense, which I guess is natural, you know, as an English speaking person all right we're done with that dub kira good times uh we get a front row seat to kira literally hunting for his victims which we've never really seen much of before and it's like absolutely scary as fuck like he's annoyed when a woman is like quote-unquote like careless and her bag accidentally touches him on the train like almost in a way like how how dare she be the careless one who doesn't care about me like his whole thing where he's kind of like a god in his own head where he mm-hmm. thinks that like he's above everyone else and he should be the one like stepping on others this person just would have like invade his space by accident how dare they and then he follows her home and kills her boyfriend and then her and there's another line actually there's a line in the that was in the english version but not entirely in the japanese version in the japanese version when she tells him her name she's like, you know, he's like, oh, that's a really good and beautiful name. You know, your parents picked a good name for you. But in the English version, he says, what a beautiful name your parents have just dis- has. What a beautiful name your parents bestowed upon you. I approve, which I just the I approve it like is so like in character for him even more so than the other line, because like that's exactly like once again, sort of being a god in his own head, like it can only, you know, he has to be the one who pretty much approves of everything and it's just like dang he you know gosh he thinks so highly of himself
0: actually hold on you you, fill, you filled in the the hole in my theory
1: oh shit did i by um, accident goddamn yes
0: this, it, this is why we're such great co-hosts um yes. so you think like we've talked before about how like jojo is kind of about like toxic masculinity
1: oh god and, like, yes
0: what do toxic father figures want to do like, they want to, like, fucking control, like, everything, like, down to, you know, what a person's wearing and, like, all that. Like, they have, like, these very preconceived notions about what is, um, you know, good, right, masculine, et cetera. And that's what Kira's doing. We fucking did it, boys. Let's go. <laughs> we
1: did it. We solved. No, <laughs> men will be toxic no more.
0: We um, solved toxic masculinity. We solved
1: it. We solved it completely. A uh, fun, fun anecdote about that. So I work at a little gift shop, right? And we recently got some new mugs in. Um, and one of the mugs <laughs> says, "I w- <laughs> may you have the confidence of a mediocre white man. <laughs> <And it's> just, <laughs> this is very applicable to the situation right yeah. now. <laughs> I was laughing at that mug like for the whole day. I was like, guys, this mug is fucking funny. (laughs) And now we have Kira literally, you know, he's literally just a dude who like kind of sucks and he, but yet he thinks he's like the king of the world and he has to be the one to approve of everything and have control over everything. So, Mm -hmm. not to mention, he like also gets incredibly angry at this woman for not answering his question and like belittles her and calls her stupid as she's like crying in fear yeah so that's that's fun uh, yeah oh and then there's this delightful line like I mean th- that whole scene was like brilliantly written there, there was this delightful line afterwards I'm gonna say the one in the English version just because it's like it was easier for me to like digest I guess mm-hmm. um is there anyone who is stopping you from growing your nails no nobody stop nobody stop no eh nobody stopped you and nobody stopped you from being who you are oh wait that was the Japanese version never mind I read the wrong thing my goddamn notes I need to (laughs) consult them better Um, he says do you think there's anyone in the world that can stop their nails from growing no just as there is no way to suppress the inner passions one is born with like he tries to make his like murdering shit as just a part of like being himself and that society is trying to repress who he is because he thinks he's above society and like
0: here is a fucking incel
1: he i was literally literally that's it he's literally a goddamn incel (laughs) he's literally an incel he's not quite an incel that's not entirely an incel but like he's he's very he's incel adjacent
0: yeah like i mean you could even think about it like him like being obsessed with hands and the fact that he you know carries around women's hands in his pocket is like he's literally objectifying them literally he's just turning them into like an accessory on his person
1: he doesn't Um, want the full human he just like explodes them mm -hmm.
0: but you are right that is a great scene um
1: such a good line too holy shit
0: it really is um
1: He's like, what I, I can't love? express my, ur- my urge to want to fuck hands. <laughs> it's all society. <laughs> it's their fault that I can't kill people.
0: You know, uh, just briefly interjecting here. Um, I think it's, uh, these are like really like the creepiest Kira has ever been, at least in my opinion. Um, the image of, you know, he, first off, he just straight up walks up to the boyfriend and blows him up like doesn't that even shit look was at him
1: cold as fuck.
0: um and then there's the part where you know the woman is cutting his nails and she, there's one point where like it's she screams and you don't see any movement and then it cuts to like a wide shot and you just see the smoke and like oh, it, it cuts off shot. her scream and it's like goddamn
1: and you see like um, the very slight vibration in her hand when she explodes yeah it's just so scary
0: it really is um yeah and I think uh I, I mean thinking about like the hair thing for a second like these are these are the episodes where like here is the most scary and the fact that like you know he changes his hairstyle he's He's no longer trying to be Kosaku Kawajiri. Like the mask is off.
1: Uh, yeah, um, he's just confident enough to take it off.
0: Exactly. He he is Kira unabashedly.
1: Gosh, scary bitch. Mm-hmm. This is why he's like one. Probably, I don't know what he. He's definitely in the top three of my favorite JoJo villains. I haven't mm-hmm. finished part seven yet, so.
0: Yeah, he's pretty
1: I, damn good.
0: So- I would say he's he's probably my second favorite villain, with the Part Six villain Poochie being uh, my number one.
1: All right, I have another very I, which I thought was a very interesting point about Kira. So Kira is all about like being an adult. TM, he's like I'm a normal dude. I'm 33. I'm an adult man. I work at a store. I go and I. <laughs> Go to the, the business factory every day, kind of thing. <laughs> uh, my name is Vincent Adultman, and I work at the business factory. <laughs> since we're referencing bojack Jack Horseman, um, I was gonna say Vincent Adultman, but I forgot what what name he gave himself, so that's why I just said business factory first. I was like, wait a minute, what, what did he call himself? Again? But yeah, Vincent Adultman, business factory. But at the same time, you have like his dad like watching over him and like kind of spoiling the hell out of him
0: mm-hmm. like the
1: fact that Kira one like knows his dad is helping him and the fact that he also did not ask his dad to help him and just the way he treats his dad when he tries to help him it just sort of shows it, it makes him seem less like an, an adult man and more of a spoiled kid it's like a weird contradiction to like this performance that he puts on of being a regular adult guy. And he literally, like, at times he was like, he told his dad to like, stop talking as he like, tries to help him out. He's like trying to comfort his son. He was like, shut up, dad. Yeah. (laughs) And not to mention, there's also the bit where that sort of like, I was thinking about this and then the line immediately after confirmed it when yoshihiro said even when you were a kid you used to bite your fingers until they bled whenever the world was against you my poor sweet boy you must be in so much pain like (laughs) jesus christ like literally kira is also like doing this like thing that he used to do when he was a kid like literally biting on his fingers Mm -hmm. until they bleed that's like a very like you would say childish thing to do so i just think that is like infinitely interesting the fact that he's like this whole like him being like an adult is like almost a perf. Is like it, it's not even almost. It is like a performance to try to be normal and to like, you know, blend in with society. When in reality, he's like still a spoiled kid.
0: I mean, if you think about it, like, here's ultimate goal is like, you know, he wants a normal life. Uh, he wants things to uh, stay the same. Basically, I mean, it's literally what Bites the Dust does. But, you know, he's been that since he was a killer, which was like, you know, when he was uh, a teenager and he's just never changed that philosophy because Yoshihiro was just so, you know, never challenged him on anything. So now we have like a 33-year-old man, like a man well into his 30s, um, like just, you know, whining that he doesn't get what he wants um I I I mean I feel like it's it's going back to the privilege angle you know I feel like that's kind of a lot of I, I won't say everyone but like a lot of people with uh who are privileged like they just they live in a they live in a bubble and like when anything threatens the bubble like that's when they lash out and become like you know uh evil i won't say evil but like you know cruel potentially cruel and potentially evil
1: that's that's definitely the tea right there Mm -hmm. i want to make a comparison that i can't that i unfortunately cannot dive into in its entirety you know the people listening who have seen this other show will definitely know what i'm talking about but I'm going to make a comparison to another villain from Hunter Hunter, which Thomas has yet to see. So I can't talk about the <laughs> whole thing. And he's going to watch it. I'm going to make him. But the <laughs> only other villain, like here is a very unique villain in anime. But there's only one other villain that he reminds me of very strongly. And that is Hisoka from Hunter Hunter. They are like the same in so many ways. They're both like so freaking scary like they are absolutely terrifying and they are shown to be terrifying in very similar ways like they have these like inhuman powers that allow them to do these crazy shit but at the same time they're also normal in the weirdest way not to mention they're both just like super horny so there's that (laughs) but like the way that the two of them are shown to be scary like you have these like incredibly like inhuman crazy powers, but then you have like every once in a while, both of them sort of doing something that humanizes them. Like it's, it's weird. Cause like, he's like a sort of like a, like a much like a more flamboyant version of Kira. They're, they're pretty, they're, oh, they're so freaking similar in so many ways. Like, <laughs> gosh, I wish I could dive more into it, but you'll, you'll have, I'll just say, you'll have some bits that like, sort of humanized, you know that that's it, what's it's it's not what makes them less scary the little tiny bits of humanization that both of them are given and like the incredibly like both of them have these incredibly small details of humans of humanization that they often get that don't make them relatable they make them more scary because yeah. it's like you see this person with these larger than like powers and then you realize that this is just some guy and it's just like god like like the like just some guy aspects like make them more scary and it's It's just like like, so freaking good
0: yeah it's like the uncanny valley you know where it's like you see the human parts and you see the inhuman parts and them you know gelling together is what makes it terrifying
1: that's why you should watch hunter hunter thomas (laughs) you can know what i'm talking about this
0: whole podcast was a stealth way for to get emily to talk about hunter hunter he convinced me to watch it
1: I only started watching it about like two months ago, <laughs> so unfortunately, that is that cannot be the case. However, it it, it will become that soon enough.
0: Um, Hero, right. do be
1: a scary bitch. That that's the T. You
0: really do be. Um, is there anything else uh, we want to talk about for these episodes?
1: I have a little bit more talking about changing of fate that we sort of got sidetracked on because mm-hmm. gosh, we had so many so much dummy thick content. Um, there was this bit where Hayato literally says, you know, it's time to change fate when he gets like his idea. And then like Kira responds with like in the English version, at least the line that I really like, once the wheels of fate are moving, there is no turning back. Like he thinks that fate is on his side and Hayato thinks that fate is against him and Hayato is trying to change it. And it's just like, as we know, based on part four's big old Thomas theory of fate, that it's a force, like, good is a force of nature, and it will always, you know, basically, good will always be the true fate of the universe that will be achieved, and it just, you know, once again, Kira thinks so highly of himself that he thinks himself outside of that, and yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it it's the opposite, basically. I guess that, I mean, I guess that's kind of what if we're gonna get like really broad for a second, I guess it's kind of like what evil is, is like um, like just trying to like, you know, uh, squash any sense of hope. Um, like, oh God, I wish I could remember it. There's some quote about like, um, like hope is the enemy of, of oppression or something like that. Um, That's not the quote, but it's something similar. Um, And yeah, I mean, and, you know, tying it back, I mean, I guess that's kind of why like Josuke is like the Joe bro for this season. I mean, really any other version of Jojo, of Jojo, you know, past or future is like not nearly as kind and as, you know, I mean, maybe you can make an argument for Jorno, but even then, uh, there's not really a Jojo who's like quite as inspirational to to their supporting cast as um Joske is to his. And like that that's why they win, is because Josuke is is hope, basically.
1: All credits, baby. Josuke <laughs> is always the answer. This is what we've learned
0: what <laughs> what's two plus two josuke Joe
1: <laughs> whenever you're so in smart. a pinch just think what would Joe josuke do <laughs> <laughs> honestly that's that's actually a pretty good way to go about life yeah <laughs> what would sure. josuke do <laughs>
0: um all right uh is there do we want to talk about silly stuff now
1: of course
0: yes um There's a lot of dark comedy in these episodes, I decided. Um, One of the funniest things to me is, and it's not really like played for laughs, but I just think it's funny how on the second loop, like Hayato gets the idea to like sneak out the side window and there's a wide shot of the house. And, like, Kira is just standing outside with the hat.
1: just standing there.
0: <laughs> Which is, it just makes me wonder, like, how long was he standing there before he decided to leave?
1: <laughs> what did that look uh, like? <laughs> can we also not forget the gun bit?
0: Oh, man, that's so funny.
1: Literally, the best out-of-context compilation that I've ever seen is still the part four out-of-context one, and half of the things that are in that compilation are in the paper episodes. Yes! <laughs> I'll gladly <laughs> turn into a piece <laughs> <of> paper. <laughs> it's so freaking good. <laughs> and oh, and that bit where Homie literally becomes a book and he's like, ah yes, this book now resides at the Morio Library. You <laughs> yeah. can read it if you want. <laughs> uh,
0: another part I like in that episode is uh, like once Josuke and koichi are like freed from the paper like koichi just kind of has this face where it's like it's like you done fucked up now
1: (laughs) it's it's like it's a good it's like a good like kind of badass face but it's also like at there's like one point where he's like in the background and it's drawn to look like kind of stupid yeah and the Um, fact that the fact that kira has bowling pin nail clippers (laughs)
0: And they, like, specifically draw attention to it.
1: Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, who has these outdated nail clippers? And Kira was like, did you buy outdated nail clippers? <laughs> Don't insult them. Um, There's okay. this bit in the English version. Um, Josuke calls Okuyasu derp face. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's awesome. <laughs> Which is
1: very important, and I needed to draw attention to it
0: yeah um i know you i know you don't like the dub too much except for a few I, voice actors
1: i like dub kira i like dub hayato and i like dub josuke everyone else is just like eh
0: yeah i personally like the dub uh a fair amount and uh yeah there's there's some great one-liners like that
1: there is um, that good bit that i think we already talked about there's there's so many like a good bit that i will admit the dub has some good bits but like okiyasu's voice just enrages me but there was that one like Taka episode bit where <laughs> okiyasu's like you're a loony mother and then just <laughs> like, like puts his hand over his mouth <laughs>
0: that's it that is a great moment so good um what else i don't Def know she's I mean, all right as well what
1: dub koichi's all right oh
0: yeah yeah um what else is there i don't know there wasn't a lot of silly stuff because obviously we're getting towards the conclusion um shit's, this is the shit's getting real segment of the show <laughs> things
1: are about to get emotional
0: um yeah i mean i think that's all i have
1: yeah good stuff
0: all right well this is a very good episode uh if you want to um keep up with me all the silly semi-serious things i do uh You can follow me on Twitter at Thomas M. Brickman. I also do another show with my buddy Kevin. It's called Post Game Content. And we talk about video games. News, reviews, all that. Uh, It's a good time. And uh, Emily, where can people find you on the internet?
1: I'm actually a god and I don't function on this plane of existence. So I Mm. don't use things like (laughs) Twitter. So I I use (laughs)
0: MySpace.
1: At a humble goose, I only talk about anime. I only ever talk about anime. My God, I need a life.
0: (laughs) And um, yeah, there's also social media accounts for this show. uh, at I want to fight AR1 on Twitter. I want to fight Archie on Instagram. Uh, We use them sometimes. So, you know, just just keep an eye out every once in a while. And uh, yeah, with all that said, we'll see you guys next time for the finale of Diamond is Unbreakable episodes 37, 38, and
1: 39. We'll see you guys then.